get straight in this morning. If you've got Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to read the account out of Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through to uh, verse 6. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 1 says, But late in the week, at the dawning into the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Wouldn't you like to be just called, like, this one cracks me up, and my daughter said this the other day, and the other Mary, the other Mary, like, oh, I'm not good enough. Mary Magdalene stars here, and I'm just the other Mary. And they came to see the tomb, and behold, a great earthquake occurred, for coming down from heaven, coming up, an angel of the Lord rolled back the stone from the door and was sitting on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And the keeper shook for fear of him, because they were like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not fear, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. Let me just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just pray in this house this morning that we know the power of your resurrection, the power of the risen Christ. I pray for everybody in this place that will have an encounter with you this morning. God, from your word, as we read your word and your scripture, God, you'll bring us to life through that word. Father, I pray for an encounter with you. I pray, oh God, that you'll move mightily in this house this morning as we lift up that name that is above, above all names, Jesus, in this house. Father, we give you praise for that name, for that name is higher than any other. That name is the name of King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We thank you, Jesus, this day, and we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here we see in this verse, Matthew. We see Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And uh, the other Mary actually is listed in Mark chapter 16 as the mother of James and Salome, or, or Salome, I, I believe it is in the proper Greek. They brought spices that they may come and anoint Jesus. So here they are, not expecting to find what they found. You know, they saw Jesus. They knew Jesus had been crucified. They knew he'd been put in this, this tomb. And yet, they were up for a big surprise when they came to, closer to the tomb. It says that as they're on the way, behold, a great earthquake occurred. And uh, coming down from heaven, an angel of the Lord rolled back the stone. Now, as we know, Mary and the other Mary were there. They, they were the eyewitnesses to this one thing. And, uh, but when they got there, the, the stone had been rolled away and they found the tomb was empty. I mean, like, how amazing is that? Like, hang on, what's going on here? Did somebody steal the body? What, what's going on here? Now, you've got to understand, the stone, in those days, they reckon they're about four foot, six foot high, several inches thick, weighing a couple hundred tons. So it's not like someone could just easily just push it aside and stole the body. They actually had to have a few guys behind that pushing that stone. In fact, there was two kinds of tombs in that day. They reckon the more common one wasn't a round stone at all. It was like a square block, like a plug that used to plug the entrance. So there's still debates amongst uh, people whether it was a, a right round stone or not, but there's also indication it could be a round stone because it was more of the rich people who had the round stone for their burial tomb. And, they, and that was given, of course, to Jesus. So we're going to go with that, the round one. We're okay with the round one? <laughs> Great. So here we see 
Mary, the two Marys and Salome coming to the, the tomb to find it empty. But not only did they find it empty, they actually found that there was an angel that had just moved the thing away. Now we see different accounts in the Bible, like if you read the four Gospels, you'll find different records of accounts there. You know, sometimes it's mentioned about just the one angel, and sometimes the two, and then the two men with shining clothes, depending on which one you're reading. But it's all an account. Sometimes people go, well, how come there's inconsistencies? Well, it's not inconsistencies. It's like right now, if an accident happened out the front of your car accident, we all witnessed it, and we gave our record of the account what happened, we'd all probably have a little bit of a different story. Oh, he was coming this way. Oh, I saw the guy run out that way. You know, we'd all have a little bit difference. And this is what we find in the accounts of the Gospels. And that's why they're a little bit different in what they say. But they all agree on one thing. He has risen. Amen. And also the angels star in that. So at the time, the, the Pharisees, the chief priests, were very concerned about this because it was Jesus already spoken to disciples that I'll rise again on the third day. They didn't quite comprehend what that was all about and what was going to take place. The chief priests themselves were a bit worried about this because they go, we don't want Jesus to rise. We don't want that. You know, we put him on the cross. We want him to stay there. We want him in the tomb. We don't want him going anywhere. And so they approached uh, Pilate and said to Pilate, hey, look, we're concerned that this may create a big thing if, if he if he's disappears from this tomb. And um, if he disappears from this tomb, then the disciples are going to say, it's like he said, he's risen from the dead. And we can't have that. They're going to create more uh, chaos for us, more trouble for us. So Pilate agreed to allow them to have the tomb sealed. So they put an actual official seal on this tomb, put the stone over, sealed the thing. So nobody was allowed, nobody had authority to uh, touch that. I was going to be in trouble with Pilate, uh, the Roman authority. And uh, they put a seal and they put guards there too. This is how concerned they were worried about Jesus coming out of that tomb. They put guards there. Now, who's ever heard of that in a cemetery for a dead person? You know, it's just unheard of. But there was something that told them there was something different about this man. And they were very concerned that they put guards there and they sealed the tomb. This tomb was guarded and sealed with a stamp of authority that no man had authority to break. Only a high authority could do so. I want to tell you this morning that the high authority, God himself, sent an angel from heaven to roll away that stone. A high authority overrode the authority of Pilate and that seal and broke that seal and rolled the stone away, signifying that Christ had paid the debt in full. Jesus had taken upon the sins of the world. He had bore them in his body on the cross. He had suffered and died for them. And now God raised him from the dead and was now legally discharged. It was the completion of what God had called and what was required. When we buy something, we receive a receipt proving that we bought something and the transaction is complete. <clears throat> Excuse me, the transaction is complete. We have proof in him this morning that our sins are paid for through that transaction. The transaction of Jesus rising from the dead completed that whole deal. The most amazing event in history. I, I don't see in the record books anywhere of any other so-called religious figure rising from the dead. Buddha is still in the grave. Uh, Muhammad is in the grave. But only Jesus rose from the grave. Amen. Proven who he was. In fact, he said this to disciples in Matthew 16, 21. 
From that time, it says, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Why is this so important that Jesus rose? You know, you could have thought, well, you know, he, he suffered on that cross for us. He paid the price for our sins. God could have just called him straight up to heaven and uh, it would have been a better place for him rather than being put in the tomb. Well, let's listen what the Apostle Paul has to say about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, right through to 19. Apostle Paul says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is worthless, and your faith is also worthless. And we are also found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified of God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is foolish. You are yet in your sins. Then also, those that fall asleep in Christ were lost. If in this life only we have hope in Jesus, we are of all men most miserable. In other words, everything that we believe and practice in faith in our church, in our daily lives of faith, if Jesus hadn't rose from the dead, was worthless. It's pointless. We wouldn't be here today if Jesus hadn't risen because it would be just like another uh, person we believe died for his belief. But 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says this, and Paul finishes up with a grand finale. He says, but now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who slept. But now Christ has, so there is hope for us because Christ has risen from the dead. This is the message. This is the good news we celebrate this morning with many churches around the world right now. Everybody is celebrating this one event, this one event that split time from AD and BC. It's an event like no other. It is the event that the churches of Christ around the world are celebrating right at this very moment. Christ has risen from the dead by the power of God. I reckon it would be absolutely amazing if I were was there i had the opportunity to be there and see that that'd be incredible they didn't quite get it themselves like they were preparing the um the marys were coming to uh, anoint him with some myrrh and things and uh as they did for dead bodies ha so they hadn't clicked that this, this the miracle was about to happen you know jesus spoke about it so they still hadn't clicked with that and of course there are various different things that took place in the different gospel accounts there but the one I want to look at this morning and sort of shocked me one time because every Easter we, we, we focus on the stone has been rolled away, right? The stone has been rolled away. Jesus has risen. And I thought, that's great. But I was reading an a article from a theologian and he said this. Was the stone rolled away before or after Jesus rose from the dead? And I thought, well, obviously, they rolled the stone away and let Jesus out. <laughs> that's, that's kind of, I thought that'd be logical. How else is he going to get out? But they said, well, read the account of Matthew again. So I did. Can we just put that up on the screen, Matthew, again? Let's just go through the sequence here. But late in the week, the dawn into the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb, and behold, a great earthquake occurred. So let's just picture this. The two Marys are on their way to the tomb. Earthquake's happening. And then can you go to the next verse? And, says, and suddenly coming down from heaven, they see an angel of the Lord roll the stone away. They go, whoa. Now, 
if you have a look at that scripture, it doesn't say that then suddenly Jesus popped out. It didn't say that, did it? It doesn't say that. So the stone is rolled back, the door, and, and it says, an angel of the Lord rolled back the stone from the door and was sitting on it. This counsel, you want to move to the next verse for us, please? It was like lightning, his clothes as white as snow, and the keepers, that's the guards, were shaken for fear. I think you would be, wouldn't you? If you saw this angel coming out in the sky, <laughs> rolls this stone away and just sits there like, I'm back. <laughs> and, uh, and the keepers shook for fear and became like dead men. They were like, yeah. And, and the angel answered and said to the woman, do not fear, for I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Where was Jesus in this picture? So they arrived, earthquake happens, see the angel come down, rolls it away. They're puzzled about it all. And he says, don't fear, I know you come to look for Jesus. He's not here. But hang on, I thought you were going to let him out. You know, wasn't that the... No. And uh, it's like, he'd already gone. He'd already, he wasn't there. And I thought, wow, I can't have never read that before. Has anyone ever read that account before? When you look at it like that in a sequence, come see the place where the Lord lay. So the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. The stone was rolled away to let us in to see that Jesus is risen. You can't separate the presence of God from the people anymore. On the cross, Jesus died on the cross and we cried out as if the temple curtain was ripped in two, allowing access to God. And now we see the same kind of thing happening with the stone being rolled away. We have access. We have access. There's no stone that's going to stop us from meeting Jesus. So the stone was rolled away to show the woman that Jesus had risen. No stone was going to separate us from him. You see, Jesus' resurrection body had the power to walk through walls. And we need to be reminded of that because later on we see that happening in in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, and this is after Jesus had risen from the dead, in John 20, 19, it says, Then the day, at, sorry, the same day at evening, being the first of the Sabbath, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. So here they are on the holy huddle in their house, doors all shut, windows barred, because they were scared of the Jews, because they've already just seen them crucify their savior jesus so now they're like they're really freaked out by the jews let's let's keep this thing closed and suddenly who came to the scene jesus came and stood in the midst and said to him peace to you now how freaky would that be you're here like oh my goodness our lord and savior is gone what are we going to do guys i can imagine being on a meeting in the house i don't know let's just pray he told us to hang out in jerusalem and, uh, until the power of the God, the most high God came upon us. But they didn't quite understand what all that meant. So there they are fearful, these Jews coming to arrest them and perhaps crucifying them as well. So they're hiding there, so they're in fear. So what does Jesus do? He turns up in the middle and says, peace. Peace is the answer for fear. Peace. Well, he didn't do peace. So. <laughs> I can't picture Jesus going, peace. Peace. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That's just my dramatics. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural, just to make sure that's right. One's going, I didn't see that in the scripture, Pastor. Oh, you're making that up. But then we see in John 20, verse 26, a little bit further on, and it says, after eight days, the disciples were inside again. Once again, they're in the same scene. And Thomas was with them this time. Jesus came to the doors being shut, 
and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Wow, how does he do that? It's like, that's a neat trick. But it's the same Jesus that came out of the tomb. He didn't need the door to be open for him. He didn't need that stone to be rolled because the resurrection power in him was that he could walk through walls. He can do whatever he likes. So we limit him when we go, oh, Jesus couldn't get out until that stone was rolled away. Like, oh, he's stuck for life. Oh, you know, what are we going to do? I think we need a few men to move it. I don't know. I'm going to get him out. <laughs> and there's probably Jesus going, oh, guys, don't you get it yet? Don't you get it? Have you been with me this long and you still haven't got it? And then we see the picture of the angels sitting on the rock. I just love this. It's like, there they are sealed up, guards and everything, sealed with the Roman uh, seal. And the power of the Most High God sends his angel down, moves the stone and just sits on it like, yeah, what are you going to do about it, guys? <laughs> and if you've seen the picture of some of the angels that I've heard people have encountered angels are not like little dwarfs they're kind of big guys nine foot tall now who's going to mess with a nine foot tall guy sitting on a rock that's just moved this two-ton rock they go no wonder they felt like they were gonna die they felt like they were dead because they were so scared about the size of this guy you know we, we get too much pictures in our mind from movies and stories of angels with little wings flushing around but not here, this is a big dude. Don't mess with me, sitting on the rock. <laughs> you can't touch this. And, um, sorry, I was just about to break into a song and dance there. <laughs> can't touch this. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was all part of this plan of God's redemption. So there, there he is. And it's like the, the, the angel sat on that rock to say to the devil, like, it's over, devil. Give up. There's no way. He's gone. You, 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 you've lost. You've lost. Power is dissolved from you right now because he has risen from the dead. He has conquered death and hell. He has conquered everything. He reigns victorious, and you can't change a thing. See, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was all part of the plan of God's redemption. While Adam gave over to Satan in the beginning of the Garden of Eden by disobedience, was taken back by the perfect man's obedience, being Jesus. I want to talk quickly this morning about five things the power of resurrection was able to achieve. There's more than five things, I'm telling you. When you look into the Word of God and what He was able to do by the power of the resurrection, uh, you'll see more than five points. But I'm just going to bring five to you because you're probably looking forward to having some Easter eggs later. That's okay. Okay, so number one, the resurrection proved... Jesus to be the Son of God. Without a doubt, even the men stand there, and there's accounts even at the cross where the Roman soldier said, surely this was the Son of God. There was something that showed, without a doubt, when you get like ultra crazy things going on, you go, this is not normal. <laughs> this is something different. This surely is the Son of God. And earthquakes do star a lot in in the story of uh, Jesus' crucifixion, of course, when he died on the cross, they said there was an earthquake and so forth, and dead bodies rose. Wouldn't that be freaky? The power of Christ, and even in his death, the power of his resurrection power went out, and it says the saints of old, in Matthew, it talks about it, rose out of the ground. Wow, imagine being that. You're so, and people popping out of the ground. Hey, I remember you. Didn't you die a few years ago? And, uh, and you too. And it said they appeared in the city. They went into the city, and they appeared to many. 
Yeah, this is documented. So there was eyewitnesses to this whole event. It's like, you know, your uncle died a few years ago and suddenly knocked on your door. Whoa, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe what just happened. <laughs> Unbelievable. But that's the power of the risen Christ, the power of the resurrection. Jesus actually said in John 2, 19, he said, destroy the temple and in three days I'll raise it up. He was talking about himself here. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They thought the temple of God where they went to worship. They thought, oh, yeah, what, how is he going to do that, you know? He was talking about himself. He already spoke about the power. He was going to be raised up. Number two, the resurrection defeated the works of the enemy. Yeah, all right. Colossians 2.15 says, Having stripped rulers and authorities, he made a show of them publicly, publicly triumphing over them in it. What an incredible moment. Satan has no power over you unless you give him power. He has no authority over you unless you give him authority. Jesus did the final work, the finished work to seal at, at his defeat. He finished the work to seal his, the devil's defeat. Same power that was in Jesus is in the believers today. You've got to understand right now there's some weird things going on in our world and we know the devil is running amok. But the thing is, he is powerless. He only has power when we give it over to him. As Christian believers, the Scripture says, greater is He, meaning Jesus, that is in us, than He who is in the world. Greater is He that is in us, the believers, than He who is in the world. Did you hear that, devil? Greater is He that is in us than He who is in the world. That means we have all power and authority over the enemy. He has no power, no saying. You so don't go, oh, the devil's picking on me. He's giving me a hard time. Tell him to shut up and go back to where he belongs. You have the power in Jesus' name to conquer him. In... Amen. Yeah, someone give him God praise this morning. Look at this. Mark chapter 16 says this. And miraculous signs will follow those believing. That's the believers. Miraculous signs will follow you. And what it says after that verse, it says, In my name, in Jesus' name, they will cast out demons. Demons tremble when you know the power that is in you. When you start carrying and understanding the power of Christ in you, the devil trembles. I've seen it many times. I've been in places where suddenly people look at you and they lock on eyes and you can see there's something in them that shouldn't be there. And they start looking like angry at you. So I just step in. <laughs> because greater is he that is in me than is he in the world. I'm not intimidated by things like that. I'm not intimidated by the enemy. That's what he uses to intimidate the believer. He just wants to try to scare you and make you think he's the big boogeyman. He, he, he's not scary at all if you know that you have power and authority over you. And he doesn't want you to know this. He doesn't want you to know that. That's his secret of being able to move as he is because people do not know that Jesus has power and authority and he's given that power and authority, you and I, the believers, over the enemy. So we should be walking strong and tall and knowing that our God is with us and our God is for us and we can win those battles. Amen. Number three, the resurrection gives us eternal life. Wow, eternal life, that's a long time, isn't it? As you get older, you realize time flies pretty quick. You know, like I was only 21 yesterday, and suddenly it's like all gone. <laughs> um, time flies. So trying to get a concept of eternal life. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And he didn't say live for a short time. He said live for all eternity. All eternity. That's a long time. So let's not get worried like, oh, you know, we've got a few more years left on this planet. doesn't matter. We don't die. We change our state into a new heavenly body and to be with him for eternity. How great is that? What great news is that? Awesome. That's why I don't fear death. In fact, the reason we fear death is because it's the unknown. We don't really understand it. But if you understood it from those that I've met that have actually died and come back to life, they have no fear of death anymore. They said, in fact, I wanted to stay there. I didn't want to come back. They said, this world is a mess. This world is miserable. It's got lots of things going on. And if, if it wasn't for the Christians, it would be falling right apart for sure. Uh, but he said, when I t- had a touch of heaven, no fear, no disease, no hurt. It was just incredible. The presence of God in heaven, you just don't want to be anywhere else. And that's where we're waiting for. Our eternity starts when we receive Jesus, and it will flow on into a heavenly place to be with him always. Always. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's really hard to picture that, isn't it? Always. Like we don't die ever again. We only die once because of our sinful flesh, but we're with him for eternity. Because Jesus rose from the grave, he gives eternal life to those who believe in him. And that's a free gift. That's a free gift for you this morning. You know, Jesus did all this. He died on the cross not because he, he was a bad person. He was a good person, the only good person. He died because we were the bad people, and he took the place of us on that cross to appease and make things right with God. Number four, the resurrection brings forth forgiveness of sins. You know, the word sin encapsulates the whole deal that we've offended God. A sin is like, we make up things, don't we? We go, oh, that's a sin, oh, that's a sin. We've got our top ten sins, I think. In our head, we make up like like a chart, oh, that sin's worse than that one. But God sees sins as the word sin. You've offended me because you've done wrong. You know, I've shown you the right way to live, and yet you choose to work that way and sin against me. It's an offense to me. So the word sin is like the word offense to God. Now, we don't want to offend God, even though we do, but we, he is just and able to forgive us of all sins if we confess them to him daily. And that's why we need to go to him daily. So we're forgiven. It's, you don't want to be carrying around guilt and pain and all that, suffering all the time. I've met so many Christians that live that life, and I'm telling you right now, it's not a good place to live. We're supposed to carry the joy of the Lord. You know, we should be happy chappies and uh, having a great time, you know, like, hey, woohoo! And I'm telling you, that'd be a witness to the people in itself. When I used to work in uh, the industry, in the motor vehicle industry, I was always, like, joking around, happy and all that, even though crazy things were going on in people's worlds. And people go, how come you're so happy? Stop it. <laughs> and I said, no, why should I? I said, I'm having fun. I, you know, what, what's wrong? You know, he said, but where's that joy come from? I said, you want to know? And also they looked down and see my Bible again. All right, I know what you're up to. <laughs> I said, well, it's true. It's because if you have him in you, you have joy that can never be taken away from you. They can never take that away from you. So the resurrection brings forth the forgiveness of sins. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. But because Jesus was resurrected, he conquered death and brings forgiveness of sins to those who have repented, trusted in him, and believed that he is Lord. Wow. You know, 
there are lots of religions out there today say to get that right by God, you've got to do all this sort of stuff. You've got to knock on doors, you've got to do all these crazy things, otherwise you won't be forgiven. That's not what the scripture says, and that's not what Jesus died for. Jesus said, I'm doing it for you. There's nothing you can do to appease God. There's nothing you can do to make things right other than believe in Jesus, that he did it all for you on the cross. Free gift from heaven. 1 John 1, 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, all the things that we do wrong against God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Number five, the resurrection gives us new life and a purpose in him. So many people are on this planet right now with no purpose, no life, and have no idea why they even exist. Don't know what tomorrow holds. Don't know, like, anything. Like, you know, I know I was once like that. I was once 21, and I'd be, like, the world deal of fun, and that was going out nightclubbing and things like that. So I was, like, from the age of 16, I'm going out. I'm in England at the time, and all the guys that seem to just live in the pubs and nightclubs, and so I'm just doing the same. 16, I'm out three times a week nightclubbing, you know, with the douche-douche music, <laughs> and thinking that's life. But I could not find life in that. I go, oh, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, another one of those. And, and it was just kind of like ongoing. And I started to really ask the question, what's life about? This can't be all that there is to life. Is. <laughs> you know, there's got to be more. And everyone getting drunk and, and things. And you go, that's it? You mean, I, and then one day I get old and I just die? That's all I've got to show for my life. No, God, Jesus, uh, sorry, God sent Jesus because he has a purpose for you. He has a life for you this morning, a life in him that gives you a purpose, gives you a hope, gives you a reason to get out of bed in the morning, gives you a whole smile on your dial, makes you feel like a different person. And I'm telling you, he will lift you out of the miry clay and set you on that rock. You're important to God. God loves every one of you. God sees you and goes, that's my kid. That's my kid. Oh, there's another one of my kids. It's just yet the world has yet not seen him as their father. But when they see and experience him as father, they will receive his son, Jesus, and they will enter into a whole new life, a new life and purpose in him. So if anyone is in Christ, that one is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, things have become new. From that moment when I received Christ, my life was transformed. I was changed. I even really remember that moment. And I did feel like I was walking on clouds. It was like, whoa, this is kind of weird. Because I felt like I was on clouds because all this weight of sin and guilt had left me. So I felt a few pounds lighter. You know, it's like, hey, I get on the scales. Whoa, I'm lighter. Um, but that's what it is. Some of you are carrying weights you shouldn't carry. God didn't design you to carry weight and guilt and shame. That's why Jesus came to set you free from that. So what are you doing, man? You don't need that. Let me take that off you. Let me take that off you. But you know what? God doesn't force us into any position because he gave us free choice. So he's not going to make you do anything. But he offers it freely. He freely gave, so freely received this morning. John 1.12 says this, but as many as received him, meaning Jesus, he gave them authority to become the children of God to those that believe on his name. I want to say this morning, if you believe on his name, God has given you authority 
to become a child of the living God. How great it is to know that your heavenly Father looks down at you, believes in you, hopes for you, cares for you, provides for you. Since I've become a Christian at age 21, I've seen the transformation in my life. I've seen God's hand on my life. I've seen provision like never before. I've seen amazing miracles take place. And guess what? You will too. You will too if you give your life to Jesus. And this morning, I want to give you that opportunity because that's the same opportunity that Christ gives to all of us, that you have an opportunity to receive Him. I just want you this morning just to bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. And we want to give you that opportunity this morning to receive Christ. We want to give you an opportunity to know Him and to know the power of His resurrection. Perhaps this morning you've come into this place. You don't know Christ. You've kind of heard of the name of Jesus but never really understood. You've seen pictures and posters at Easter time, Him hanging on the cross and the, you see the... the uh, tomb with a stone rolled away but you've never made the connection well let me tell you the connection this morning 2,000 years ago Jesus died on the cross for you and I that we shouldn't have to die to make things right with God he did it all for us he took our place it's like he took our place in death row we deserve to die but Jesus loved us so much that he stood in our place the only thing he asks is that you believe in what he has done for you you accept and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, all the offenses that you've done against God, and that you ask Him to come into your life and live for Him anew. And that's what we're going to do right, right now. I'm going to ask you this one thing. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you don't know what it's like to have your sins forgiven, to be set free from the past, to be that new creation that He's called you to be in this house right now, I want you to just raise your hand so I can see that, so I can pray, so I know who I'm praying for. Because this is the most important thing. Even right now, the devil will come at you and go, don't listen to that, that's rubbish, don't listen to him. That is not the voice of God, that is the voice of the devil. The voice of God right now is saying, lift your hand, I'm ready to receive you. I love you, I paid the price for you. And if that's you in this place right now, with every head bowed, I close. Just raise your hand so I can see that. If you'd like to receive Jesus, it's one prayer way. It's all you do. You just pray and ask God. And I'd lead, I will lead you in that prayer in a minute. Secondly, perhaps you once walked with God. You, came, you may have been brought up in a Christian home. Many people have. And, and somehow it just became, I don't know, you just sort of walked away from it. It's like, oh, it's just what we've always done. I haven't really made a relationship yet. Well, perhaps this morning after hearing this message, you go, I really need to make that connection. I really need to make a proper relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. If that's you, raise your hand as well. Or perhaps you're not even sure, like, I'm not sure, but I just feel this tug in my heart this morning. I just feel I need to do this. I feel like, you know, there's something impelling me to do this because I know it's right. Just raise your hand wherever you are. I'll see their hand as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll just give you a couple minutes. Thank you, Jesus. See that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will be touching you right now and just saying, if you are a sinner and you want to live your life right by God, right now, just raise your hand. God is there to encourage you. He won't force you to do anything. 
It's your choice this morning of where you spend eternity. It's your choice whether you spend it with him or spend it with the devil in hell. I want to ask you one more time. If you'd like to receive Jesus, just raise your hand. I'll see that and I'll just pray for you. I just want to pray for you and welcome you into the family of God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Can we all stand this morning? What we like to do always as a church, because I know sometimes that's a little bit scary for people to do that in a public place. But right now we're all together. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We just love each other. So what we do is what we call a sinner's prayer. This is the prayer I'd take you through. If you've made a decision to follow Christ this morning, I just want you to follow. Everyone can do this, actually. We're all followed together as I read this um, prayer, a sinner's prayer that you'd know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So let's all say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life, to be my Lord and Savior. I thank you now. Amen. If you've made that your prayer for the first time, We'd love to help you on your journey with Jesus this morning. If you can come down the front after the service and uh, just meet one of the pastors here, they will certainly help you get you a Bible, get you the Word of God so you can start reading for yourself. And we'll also help you on your way and study with that. We'd love to do that. But let me just pray for everyone as we come to a close this morning. I just want to pray for everybody. They will know the living God this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, for your truth. And we stand on that word. We stand on that truth this morning. And we give praise to the name that is above all names, Jesus in this house today, who rose from the dead. Father, we celebrate that this morning. We come with expectation of what that means in our own lives. And Father, as we leave this place today, may we walk with confidence. May we walk with boldness. May we walk with power, knowing that Jesus is alive and he lives inside us now and forevermore in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.